Welcome to Counselor Find, a podcast for counselors past and present, finding their way in faith and current culture. We are your hosts, Shrek and Shopvac, also known as Terry and Zach. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five. We're so glad to have you back here. And we are excited to join with you again. This week, we're going to look at a few different things. Uh, the topics this week are The Chosen. We're going to look at episode four of season one. And we're also going to explore uh, the question of social media. What does it mean for us? And, uh, and what is our response to that as Christians? As always, Zach is here to uh, add color and life to uh, Hello. my conversations. <laughs> and let's get it started here. Okay. What, you want to start with the chosen? Sure. Okay. So one of the thoughts we have here is if you haven't seen it, don't worry about that. Uh, you know the stories that come from the Bible. And uh and if you get a chance to look at it later, great. But we're just so glad you're joining us for this conversation, even if you haven't watched The Chosen. Yeah. Episode four is a is a deep dive into looking at Peter. Mm-hmm. Known yeah. as Simon. Sorry, Simon. It's, it's really okay if you haven't watched it. You don't need to need to watch it to listen. If you haven't watched it, though, we really, really, really suggest you do because it's really not that long and it's super, super good. Yeah, we think it's fantastic. We think you can find time. We are, I'm really enjoying just the approach that it has to the Bible. It's so different. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we were talking earlier how I don't think these actors are Christians. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Yeah. And just how their approach to the characters is so unique. Mm-hmm. So it's really wonderful. Uh, what stands out for you this week? Mm, why don't you start? Okay. So this week, uh, quick summary, uh, Quintus the Dominus has, um, what is it? Uh, he's got Matt working for him. Matthew mm-hmm. is now working as a spy and he's spying on Peter to figure out uh, if he lied or he misled him and to try and catch him so peter's time is up quintus is coming after him to get either his tax money or uh, a pound of flesh <laughs> and so matthew's spying on peter and peter is at the end of his rope he's trying and calling in debts and calling in favors and calling in any help he can get and nobody's gonna help him he is a dead man walking uh-huh. And he reaches the end of his rope and his wife's like, just, just get out. And his brother's like, you're, you're dumb. And, uh, and so he's like, I'm going fishing. So he goes fishing and then, uh, Zebedee and his two boys show up, James and John and Andrew comes along with them. They help him fish all night because if he doesn't catch any fish, he's dead in the morning. Uh And then, uh. He doesn't catch any fish and they come in. He's just like, well, there's no point running. He'll just kill everybody I love and then come get me anyways. Right. So I'll take it. And, uh, and that's the end of this. And then he meets Jesus on the beach. And, <laughs> yeah. So it's not, <clears throat> didn't miss much, I guess. No. So kind of a summary. What did you like? So what did I love? I loved the fact, uh, again, I think I've said this before. I really identify with Peter. The idea of trying to control everything and scheme and this is broken. I'm sure I can fix it. And that didn't work. Okay, I'll just try another scheme. I'll try something else. I will come up with some way to fix this problem on my own. And then you get to the point where you just, I, I don't even know what to do. And uh, I could really identify with that. He says a really neat thing at that point. He's like, God built me to be a fisherman. I'm going fishing. It's what I know. It's what I do. Right. It's, and, uh, and he gets out there and he's raging at God. And he's yelling at him. Like, how could you do all this to 
you know, it's just the same old story. It's, you know, we suffer and whether it's me or Jews or our history in Egypt and it, like, you know, you just, you lead us to the edge and then you leave us alone. And he's just kind of mm. letting God have it with both guns. And I just, I've felt that where it's just like, wow, I can't fix this. And you apparently aren't showing up. So then I guess it's over. Huh. Love that scene. Yes. Um, it's very good. He's just so raw. Yeah. Right? I really like um, one scene earlier on. It's kind of funny to me with Nicodemus and the other Pharisees kind of like scheming about with, um, they're talking about John the Baptist, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and all the uh, potential issues they may have with him. And they're all worried about some dude. I don't, why are they worried about some dirty guy <laughs> preaching or whatever he's doing? Like they shouldn't like, it's funny that they're so intimidated and so scared. Um, Anyway, so then they're kind of plotting on how they're going to take care of this guy, and they should or shouldn't, and then classic Shmuel move is just to go and do things on his own and arrest him or whatever, so. Yeah. Shmuel is a... Shmuel, 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 whatever this guy's name is. Shmuel is one of the Pharisees. Yeah. Yeah. So they get him arrested. See ya. Um, Stinky John. Isn't that what Peter calls him? Stinky John? Yeah. (laughs) Stinky John. Anyway, and then, uh, I mean, I would say the last, like, 10 minutes is one of my favorite scenes in this whole season with, uh, when they, when they meet up at the, at the beach with Jesus, <clears throat> I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty powerful. Like Jesus is, comes out and tells them to cast their nets basically on shore. <laughs> they're not far and they catch fish and they catch so much fish for two boats worth that they're almost sinking and and all his debts can be paid um and that's enough for simon peter to realize that this guy is the real deal yeah yeah that miracle it rocks peter you can mm-hmm. see it, it rocks matthew matthew's there he's observed it he's mm-hmm. like this is impossible like it just doesn't, it's not even that it doesn't make sense. It's, it's impossible. It's mathematically, it's mm-hmm. logically un, unexplainable. Yeah. Matthew's deeply rocked. Um, I liked how Jesus and Peter, like Jesus sees Peter's boat and he's like, Hey, you're Peter, you're, you're Simon. Um, he knows who Simon is. He is immediately, he includes him in his teaching. Um, immediately gets Simon's input. Like, what do you, you know, pass me a net. Yeah. And what do you do with nets? You, you fish. And, and what do you do with the fish when you catch them? You sort them, right? He's immediately, he, Jesus is teaching this crowd on the beach and he's brought Peter right into the conversation. Yeah. And, uh, Matthew made a comment earlier about halfway through the episode where he says to Peter, um, oh, what is it? He says, people follow you. Uh, He's like, people listen to you. And then he says, uh, you have a singular talent. So Matthew says to Peter, Peter, and Peter's like, what do you want from me? He's like, people listen to you and you have a singular talent. And Matthew sees this in Peter. That... um, People are drawn to him. Uh-huh. Peter doesn't see it in himself. Simon is just going through life trying to figure it out. 
and he has this raw talent. And it's like immediately Jesus sees in Simon the same thing Matthew saw in him. And, and he says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You were built to fish. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you people. Right? People will listen to you. You're going to become a fisher of people. Yeah. Really cool. That was really cool. Um, I think it's kind of neat how like quickly he is to, to trust Jesus, like, which I mean, obviously pretty powerful when he seen him bring all this fish. Um, but like with how stubborn and hard headed he was, like he wouldn't have had to, to, to jump to the conclusion he did so quickly. But I think it's more because like his personal like needs were met. He was like at rock bottom and he got just pulled out just instantly like that. Um, and I was also saying too, like how, or thinking how, um, I think with guys like Simon Peter having like a basic understanding, growing up, learning some of the Torah and all that, that he has this like slight background in, in mind from when he was younger, at least of some of the teachings and the prophecies and whatever. So he, he's able to quickly attribute like what this guy is saying with, oh, he, he is the one, like he's the one who's been sent and he's not getting hung up on a lot of these little details the Pharisees are are getting hung up on. So I think that's kind of cool too. Yeah. And I think, so my last point would be Jesus, Jesus shows up and suddenly Simon has purpose Mm -hmm. and Jesus has a plan. You fish, I'll sort. Right. Uh, That really stood out to me because Peter's like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, you fish and I'll sort. You bring in the people, I'll sort them. And I think um, that really resonated with me because we're so quick to sort the people before we bring them in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to figure out which fish should be caught. And, oh, this person, that person needs to become a Christian. This person needs to know Jesus. Jesus is like, no, just just go out, fish. Just catch whatever you can. I'll sort the people out. I'll figure out where they line up and how they meet with me and 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 my purpose for them. And I think that just resonated in my heart so much because. Um, we want to pre-qualify people. We want to see the talents and the abilities people have. And, and I do too. I, especially I have this issue. I, I'm a, I am a big fan of leadership and people knowing themselves and knowing their gifts and abilities and, and knowing what God's created you for. And, and, uh, and, and I don't want to get caught using people or putting people into places that Jesus is trying to sort them into. Uh, and uh, so that really, that really struck me personally. Uh, loves that line, and it just seems to be resonating in my life right now. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Uh, is there anything that else you had? That was a quick run to, rundown on the Chosen episode four. Yeah, not a ton to talk about, but it's a pretty awesome episode. You really liked it? Yeah. Your fave? Episode, probably one of my faves. Yeah. like the ending. Yeah. It, I liked it when I was originally watching it. I liked it because it was like, Oh, nice. Now we're getting going. Like now stuff's happening. Now stuff is happening. Now, now the ball's going to get rolling here. So, Uh, and we're, and we're deep into the Bible here, right? This is, uh, this, this happens in all four gospels. Yeah. It was like this, this calling, uh, was the main chapter, right? Luke four. I don't even know what I did with it, but yeah, Luke five, maybe the start of Luke five, five, one to 10 or 12 or something like that. But it's also, it's in all four gospels, this calling, like come Peter, Andrew, James and John, Uh come and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. Zebedee has a really neat line, right? Like he says, James, John, you come too. And they look at their dad like, well, what do we do? And he's like, we've been waiting for this guy all our lives. Right. 
I'll figure out, I'll tell your mom why you're late for supper. Just yeah. get the heck out of here, right? Like, because I read the Bible, I'm like, how could they just walk away yeah. from everything they knew? That's all they did was fish. I know. Right? It's, it's so like, How could they just like, just walk away from the boats and that was it? It's, it's game over. Yeah. And uh, I thought Zebedee's line is great. Like, we've been waiting for this guy. Uh, like, yeah. Whether you make it home for supper or night tonight, I don't really care. Just go pursue. Yeah. Find the truth. Find the peace. Find the Messiah that we've been looking for. Would we leave everything behind on a moment's notice like that? If we had that same opportunity today? I don't know. Would we, would we give up the things that we crave? Would we give up the things we're, uh, we're so used to? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we would. Be a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, maybe that's our transition. You switch over? Sure. About the things, what will we give up? Oh, yeah. What we give <laughs> the up? things that we would, would we walk away from okay, something that's up. so important to us? Well, on that note, should we talk about social media? Whether we're willing to give that up or not? Sure, yeah. Let's talk about social media. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, we're going to play a clip from Simon Sinek. You guys may have heard this clip or you may have heard him before. Uh, it's not too long, but he just he just gives a little summary, good intro here for us to get on get the ball rolling on uh, Who's Simon Sinek on technology. He's an author and a motivational speaker and uh, a guy who talks a lot about um, leadership. Usually is his main topic, but he does talk about uh, technology and social media a bit here. Yeah, leadership, business coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool guy. Anyway, here's the clip. We know that engagement with social media and our cell phones releases a chemical called dopamine. That's why when you get a text, it feels good, right? So, you know, we've all had it where you're feeling a little bit down or feeling a bit lonely. And so you send out 10 texts to 10 friends, you know, hi, 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 hi. Because <laughs> it feels good when you get a response, right? Right? It's why we count the likes. It's why we go back 10 times to see if, and if it's going, if our, my Instagram is growing slower, I would, I, I, did I do something wrong? Do they not like me anymore, right? The, the trauma for young kids to be unfriended, right? Because we know when you get it, you get a hit of dopamine, which feels good. It's why we like it. It's why we keep going back to it. Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's highly, highly addictive. Right? We have age restrictions on smoking, gambling, and uh, alcohol, and we have no age restrictions on social media and cell phones, which is the equivalent of opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to our teenagers, hey, by the way, this adolescence thing, if it gets you down. <laughs> but that's basically what's happening. That's basically what's happening, right? That's basically what happened. You have an entire generation that has access to an addictive, numbing, chemical called dopamine through social media and cell phones as they're going through the high stress of adolescence. Why is this important? Almost every alcoholic discovered alcohol when they were teenagers. When we're very, very young, the only approval we need is the approval of our parents. And as we go through adolescence, we make this transition where we now need the approval of our peers. Very frustrating for our parents, very important for us. It allows us to acculturate outside of our immediate families into the broader tribe, right? It's a highly, highly stressful and anxious period of our lives, and we're supposed to learn to rely on our friends. Some people, quite by accident, discover alcohol and numbing effects of dopamine to help them cope with the stresses and anxieties of 
adolescence. Unfortunately, that becomes hardwired in their brains, and for the rest of their lives, when they suffer significant stress, they will not turn to a person, they will turn to the bottle. Social stress, financial stress, career stress, that's pretty much the primary reasons why an alcoholic drinks, right? What's happening is because we're allowing unfettered access to these dopamine-producing devices and media, basically it's becoming hardwired, and what we're seeing is as they grow older, they, too many kids don't know how to form deep, meaningful relationships. Their words, not mine. They will admit that many of their friendships are superficial. They will admit that their friends, that they don't count on their friends, they don't rely on their friends, they have fun with their friends, but they also know that their friends will cancel on them if something better comes along. Deep, meaningful relationships are not there because they never practice the skill set, and worse, they don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. So when significant stress starts to show up in their lives, they're not turning to a person, they're turning to a device, they're turning to social media, they're turning to these things which offer temporary relief. We know, the science is clear, we know that people who spend more time on Facebook suffer higher rates of depression than people who spend less time on Facebook, right? These things balanced. Alcohol is not bad, too much alcohol is bad. Gambling is fun, too much gambling is dangerous, right? There's nothing wrong with social media and cell phones. It's the imbalance, right? If you're sitting at dinner with your friends and you're texting somebody who's not there, that's a problem. That's an addiction. If you're sitting in a meeting with people you're supposed to be listening to and speaking and you put your phone on the table, face up or face down, I don't care, that sends a subconscious message to the room that you're, not just, you're just not that important to me right now, right? That's what happens. And the fact that you cannot put it away is because you are addicted, right? If you wake up and you check your phone before you say good morning to your girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse, you have an addiction. And like all addiction, in time, it'll destroy relationships, it'll cost time, and it'll cost money, and it'll make your life worse, right? So you have a generation growing up with lower self-esteem that doesn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. There should be no cell phones in conference rooms. None, zero. And I don't mean the kind of like sitting outside waiting to text. I mean like when you're sitting and waiting for a meeting to start, nobody go, this is what we all do. We all sit here and wait for the meeting to start. Meeting starting, okay, and we start the meeting, no. That's not how relationships are formed. Remember we talked about it's the little things? Relationships are formed this way. We're waiting for a meeting to start and we go, how's your dad? I heard he was in the hospital. Oh, he's really good, thanks for asking. He's actually at home now. Oh, I'm really glad, that was really amazing. I know, it was really scary for a while. That's how you form relationships. Hey, did you ever get that report done? Oh my God, no I didn't. I'll help you out, I totally, I'll, can I help you out with that? Really? That's how trust forms. Trust doesn't form at an event, in a day. Even bad times don't form trust immediately. It's the slow, steady consistency. And we have to create mechanisms where we allow for those little innocuous interactions to happen. But when we allow cell phones in conference rooms, we just, okay, have the meeting. And then my favorite is like when there's a cell phone there and you go like this, you go. <laughs> it rings and you go. I'm not gonna answer that. Like, Mr. Magnanimous, you know? <laughs> when you're out for dinner with your friends, like, uh, I, I do this with my friends. When we're going out for dinner and we're leaving together, we'll, we'll leave our cell phones at home. Who are we calling? Maybe one of us will bring a phone in case we need to call an Uber or take a picture of our meal. That's what I was saying, come on. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm an idealist, but I'm not insane. You know? <laughs> a heathen. I mean, it looked really good. Um, we'll take one phone. 
And so it's like an alcoholic. The reason you take the alcohol out of the house is, be we, is because we cannot trust our willpower. We're just not strong enough. But when you remove the temptation, it actually makes it a lot easier. And so when you just say, don't check your phone, people literally will go like this. And somebody will go to the bathroom and what's the first thing we do? Because <laughs> I wouldn't want to look around the restaurant for a minute and a half, you know? But if you don't have the phone, you just kind of enjoy the world. And that's where ideas happen. The constant, constant, constant engagement is not where you have innovation and ideas. Ideas happen when our minds wander and we go, and you see something, uh, I bet they could do that. That's called innovation. Right, but we're taking away all those little moments. Right? You should not, and none of us, none of us should charge our phones by our beds. We should be charging our phones in the living rooms. Right? Remove the temptation. You wake up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep, you won't check your phone, which makes it worse. But if it's in the living room, it's relaxed, it's fine. I, I, uh, but it's my alarm clock. Buy an alarm clock. <laughs> they cost $8, right? I'll, I'll buy you an alarm clock. Right? But the point, is, the point is, is we now, in industry, whether we like it or not, we don't get a choice. We now have a responsibility to make up the shortfall and to help this amazing, idealistic, fantastic generation build their confidence, learn patience, learn the social skills, find a better balance between life and technology. Because, quite frankly, it's, it's the right thing to do. Okay. So, what did you think of that clip, Terry? So, I really, uh, I, I like Simon Sinek. I've, I've watched him and some of his stuff on YouTube. I've seen interviews with him. I've read his books. Um, a good communicator. Uh -huh. I don't think he's lightly approaching this stuff. He is uh, looking at leaders and employees and work and business and He's really concerned about society. He's not coming at this with any other motivation. Because he's a really big believer in that um, you know, corporations and companies need to make a difference. And so when he's coming in and talking about this stuff, he's really quite passionate about it. I think we've forgotten that our phone is our tool. It's not our brain. It's not our supercomputer. It's a phone. Um, it's really a communication device and we've, we've stopped communicating. It seems, I think he's right. There is an addictive, uh, a part to all of this that we just can't overcome. Uh, -huh. uh, it's not something I often experience, right? But if I was to pop into Facebook or something, I can see where like I can go in and start looking and suddenly 20, 30 minutes are gone. And it's like that time warp happens uh -huh. you can also see times when my family and i get up in the morning and we sit down and uh, we look at our phones and suddenly 20 minutes are gone and none of us have talked to each other we've right. just sat there and drank our coffees and <laughs> um and didn't have anything to do together as a family it was and, and I, i'm trying to figure out how do we how do we deal with that um so that's kind of me just looking at the phone technology as a whole uh, and its impact, uh, less about social media. Maybe you want to address uh, a feeling about social media. Like I, I'll admit that I don't really have anything on my phone. <laughs> um, I've used YouTube and I like to text people and I have Facebook messenger on my phone as a communication tool for certain people. Um, 
but it's not some I'm not in Facebook. Yeah. Well, okay, so I think like what Simon Sinek is getting at is he often just refers to our devices. Um because overall anything on your device can be addictive. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think I want to narrow in on or what I'm going to refer to from here on out is going to be social media. Um but and this can apply to other things on your phone. But I think I want to narrow in on social media because we know that social media was also built to be addictive. So we have a purposely addictive thing on an already accidentally addictive thing. If that makes okay, sense. Okay, right. So social media is meant to be addictive and we're using it on our phones, which are also a bi- like can also be addictive. Right. So I think that's where I want to narrow in. Um, and I think social media also has other um, negative impacts or negative effects that, that have been shown in studies, like it causing uh, depression and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, mental health issues. So are that, you saying social media is you're thinking uh, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter? Yeah, like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok, all okay. those different things. Okay. So we're not talking about Google. It's not youtube yeah, what old man yeah no that's a fair question <laughs> youtube is probably in there too fair yeah. statement. thanks uh no i'm not talking about like google searching but that could be an addiction but no that's not what we're primarily going to talk about okay thanks so i think uh i guess we'll start with what some of the stuff he kind of talks about so um his whole like bit about the dopamine hit so that's like this is scientifically true. Like there is no arguing this. Uh, you may not think it's true because you don't feel that you don't doesn't doesn't make sense to you. You don't feel it. You don't like understand it. But it is true when you use your phone, um, especially for social media, and you get responses, and you get texts, when you get people liking stuff, when you have any sort of interaction on there, you get a dopamine hit, and that dopamine hit is addictive, and it makes you want it again. Mm. Um, this is why. For the most part, you've probably experienced once you use a social media app, you continue to use it because it works. It, it gets you in and it gets you addicted. Um, and so the big problem with this, um, and we're going to talk from a non-Christian standpoint at first year, is that if you are, especially as a teenager, when you're young, if you are in your teens when this starts, um, our addiction usually sticks with you when you're in de- when your brain is developing. So if you're in going through adolescence and you develop an addiction, it's going to be way harder for that addiction to um, break or to disappear without like purposeful effort towards that. So it will. But what is development stage? Like adolescence, like your brain is developing. Okay. Anything pre twenty five, I think it is. Okay. So. Um, so what he talks about how alcohol alcoholics are usually um, formed uh, typically in their in their teen years or in their developing years, uh, and it lasts their whole life. So usually by accident they stumble upon alcohol as a result or as a solution, sorry, to their um, problems or their stress or whatever's going on in their life. Okay, that then becomes their um, their like brain's automatic response when they have that happen for the rest of their life, unless they purposely try and break that addiction. And so now, um, instead of just some people getting addicted to a certain substance, we have most people, most teens, using social media, getting addicted to social media, and learning 
that for the rest of their life, when they are dealing with difficult things, they need to turn to social media to, to solve them. On top of that, we know that people who use social media more are generally more depressed. So now we have people who are <laughs> have difficulty in their life, are turning to social media to deal with it, and we know that if they use social media more, they're going to be more depressed and have more mental health issues. So it's just a cycle. It's a circle. It's literally it's a snowball effect of um, depression and anxiety and um, stress, and it's going to just make it worse and worse. And we're, we're going to have um, major issues with huge, huge chunks of our population being um, depressed and being addicted to something that makes them more depressed. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a bit of a that's ramble, not, but no, that's that's kind of what he's. Uh, I guess that's what I get from what he's saying. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, there, there are links to studies if you look them up on through the YouTube. Uh, some of his stuff has some studies that have been published about this. So we looked up. Um, we looked up how much, uh, on average, a teen spends uh, on social media in a day. And okay. in 2018 or 2019, it was maybe the average amount of hours in a day a teenager spent on social media was nine. Nine hours a day. Nine hours on average. Okay. They spent so sometimes more and sometimes less. Right. <laughs> they spent on social media. Wow. Okay. If you sleep for nine hours. Yeah. And you go to school for six. Yeah. You only have nine hours left in your day. Yeah. What? Yeah, I guess see. Like there's not a lot of extra time. There's no there. more time. Yeah. Okay, sure. So maybe one out of those hours is throughout your school day. Right. Okay. <laughs> maybe you only sleep for seven hours. Okay, so now you've got time for your, you know, two hour sport that you're involved in. Right. And then everything else is just again filled through social media. Wow. Nine hours a day, and I don't, I don't think, I would challenge you guys to tell me this, but I don't think I can think of a single thing other than sleeping that you can do for nine hours a day, continuously, like for an extended period of time, and it'd be healthy for you. Hmm. Even if it were something like reading your Bible, if you did that for nine hours a day for weeks on weeks, just because of the pure amount of time that would take, you would have no other life. You would have no friends. You would have no... Like, eventually, that would not be only beneficial. Eventually, there would be some negatives to that. Obviously, that's one of, like, the best things you could do. But, like, to almost every other thing I can think of, there's going to be eventually be a negative. <laughs> yeah, like, you would just, cons- you're just consuming yourself to mm-hmm. death. So, uh, Simon Sinek talks about how um, the same hit we get, or the same uh, reaction we get internally from social media uh, it's the same thing we get from drinking, smoking, and gambling. And there's age restrictions on all those things, but there's none on social media. And we don't do drinking, smoking, and gambling. It's all suggested that you do those every day, let alone multiple <clears throat> hours a day. Right. If you were to consume alcohol for nine, on average of nine hours a day. <laughs> you would be destroyed. I, you would yeah, be dead would or you would be... Yeah, you would die. A vegetable. Yeah. Like, and yet we have thousands of people, millions, yeah. walking around doing this every day. Yeah. That's, um, it's huge. I don't even know how to respond to that. 
So you watched the Social Dilemma, right? I did watch the Social Dilemma. So it's there's a, a movie documentary. It's on Netflix. Docudrama on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Docu. It's a movie on Netflix uh, called Social Dilemma. Super worth the watch. Um, it's a little odd at sometimes, but for the most part, basically, it's um, a bunch of people who used to work at Facebook, Twitter, etc., Instagram. Um, where a lot of them were very like established Pinterest, people YouTube. at yeah. these companies and they um are coming out now saying that all of these things were built to be addictive no they this, the companies know they're addictive they are built to be addictive and now they're using that addiction in their favor to help them make more money yeah it's kind of the gist of it and um it's the it's big thing i pull the big thing i pull from this from that movie is that if you're using something for free, it's because you are the product. You, the user, are the product. And the, co- and the company that you're using their product of that's free, they're selling you to advertisers. So all those ads that you see, if you have to look at ads to use a product for free, it's because you are the product. And advertisers are paying a crap ton of money so that they can show you their ads um, on these different platforms. And the, these platforms, then they talk about how they're built in such a way that they keep you on them. They try and keep you attracted, keep you staying on the on their app, on their site, whatever it is. Um, and they want you to keep coming back, and they want you to stay on there as long as possible. Because the longer you're on there, the more money they make because they can sell more time to advertisers. It has nothing to do with them wanting you to use your app because it's good for you, or because it's more fun, or because it's engaging, or anything like that. It's purely so they can make money off of you. Simon Sinek makes a comment in a different video of like, if we don't do something, and then you made this comment a couple years ago, I think it was 2018 or 2019 was the video, if we don't do something, he's like, I just, I suicide uh-huh. and opioid abuse and deaths are going to just go crazy. And um, I've been watching that in the, recently, the end of COVID here, or, you know, six, seven months into COVID, and we're seeing those very stats starting to go really crazy mm-hmm. where, you know, that, um, it's just taking off. And it's like, even though we're into this thing that's called a social media, even though it's, we have friends and we have connections in there, uh, and we're doing these crazy things. It doesn't seem like those, those connections are going deep. No. That the conversations are, aren't anything more than, um, emojis and short forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing is the social media, um, social media is really anti-social media. Like, it, it, the more you use social media, the worse you are at communicating in person. The worse you are at actually communicating with somebody on a deeper level and face-to-face. And that is proven uh, in multiple studies. Mm. So, so this is pretty intense. Uh-huh. Um, some of the things we're saying here. So what, what can we do to... to- is there a way to reverse this trend? No. And what does God have to say about it? And, and can we, you know, the argument is, well, we need to bring Jesus into social media. We, we need to redeem social media. Uh, just like, any response to that? Um, Are you just telling me I, I need to bring light beer to my alcoholic friend rather mm, than bringing, you no. know, so, uh, something that's I'll get hard? To the, <laughs> I, th- I think we'll, let's, we'll leave our to the Christian side of things for the end here. Um, but first, like I would heavily suggest that everybody deletes their social media apps, Mm. just straight up delete them at least for a time. 
like for a few weeks, a month, two months, whatever it is. Um, I've done this in, in the past where I, like, I, I got used to get so, I don't even know what the emotion was, but Twitter, uh, Instagram was just not great for me. And so I deleted it. And I, I remember like it took maybe a week, probably not even. And I started feeling better, just mentally felt better. Um, and ever since I was like, I don't need that app again. Like I don't, just, I just don't care. Um, and you, so I would just challenge everyone to like legitimately delete your social media apps. Um, you can re-download them when you realize you don't miss them, hmm. but then by then you probably won't care because you don't miss them. So like, I know it's going to sound heavy and hard and ridiculous and you probably are going to think this is stupid, but like these are apps on your phone that are ruining your life. They are not bringing any benefit to your life that you cannot gain another way. Another method. If it's a communication tool, there's other ways to do that that aren't so damaging. If it's an entertainment tool, there's other ways to get entertainment that are not that damaging. Um, These are apps that are just straight up ruining your life, making you worse at communicating, making you have worse social skills, and making you just have a worse life going forward. Hmm. (laughs) If, If for no other reason... Do you, if you want to succeed in your life, if you want to be able to get a job that you want to get, if you want to be able to hold the job you want, if you want to succeed in, in your career or in, um, in getting married someday or, or whatever it is, whatever your goals are in your life or things you may want, you will be head and shoulders above other people, above your peers, above other people your age, if you are not addicted to your phone and social media. You will get more jobs. You will have more success. And you will be promoted quicker if you do not have an addiction to these things. They will go notice in the workplace. Um, and that's a lot of what Simon Sinek talks about in some other videos too. Yeah, no, I've seen that. I've seen that in my own uh, experience in the workplace uh-huh. is, you know, um, having young people coming in and not knowing how to disengage, how to, how to put their phone away, how to actually get their work done, uh-huh. how to uh, not disappear. Like, so for, initially it was Facebook. And, uh, you know, people are saying, well, no, I, I wasn't really on there. Well, actually, we clock that. Yeah. And so your eight-hour shift, you were on Facebook for five and a half hours of your eight-hour shift. Right. So we clocked you on there, and the longest time you were actually in it was two and a half hours at mm-hmm. one point. And uh, so, so how do we get that time back? Um, so that's just one example, and that's, that's going back 10 years for me. Maybe yeah, that's more. That's more than that. And now yeah. everyone's got it in this little device in their pocket. Like you don't need yeah. to use your computer. It's so much, uh, so much more intense. Yeah. No, I have seen it, and it's, it's a it's a tough thing. But what if we say like, okay, so what if this is my tool? This is where I listen to my music. This is my alarm clock. What's like? Well, like I'm not saying you need to ditch your whole phone, okay. but like. Let's just start somewhere. I, I like I. There's lots more we can talk about with like. We sound really negative, maybe to well, some people. I don't know. I like. I have. I use my phone every day. Yeah. Like, there are many depths to this conversation. Sure. Like the phones in general are also addictive, and there's tons of different things we can do to mitigate that and to make our our phones less addicting and um, text less, call more, that kind of stuff. Don't have your phone as your alarm clock, get a real alarm clock, 
put it away after a certain time at night, all these different things. I would merely suggest <laughs> don't worry about any of that and just get rid of social media apps. That is like by far the biggest factor. Yeah. Um, because they are by far the most addicting apps uh, and, and the most damaging yeah. all at the same time. I'm watching the social media. I found the last five minutes while the credits were rolling. Yeah. Almost the most informative. Yeah. You know, they're sitting there, they're candidly saying, so like some of them are like, Hey, my kids don't have phones or my kids don't have social media. Uh, We make sure everything's, you know, turned off and unplugged by 8 PM. We make sure that, uh, you know, just these little tips, like we're working to redeem technology. We want it to be humane. We want it to serve us, not Uh us to serve it. Yeah. We're looking so that technology is a tool and an instrument um, for good and not for bad. Uh-huh. And, and there's things that are innately uh, immoral, act- oh, well, unethical yeah. in, in these programs uh, that, the, that the creators themselves are saying, you need to be aware of. Like, don't click on the suggested links. Don't click on suggested ads. Don't, don't let the algorithm get control of your uh-huh. system. Um, but yeah, I just found it um, really intense. Um, could Would you suggest a fasting? Like, I'm going to try and spiritually. What about fasting from social media? Like taking a two month or a one week or two two week hiatus from it and just giving that time to God? Oh, at least. Yeah. Like, do that and see how you feel. Notice the difference. When you notice the difference, because you will, then figure out how you're going to go forward mm. from there. Maybe you limit your time per day. Maybe you, like, at the end of the day, I'm sure there is a way to use these tools and, and not be addicted. But it's going to be very difficult. Like, obviously, people can drink alcohol and not be addicted. Like, and that is... Obviously, a bit of a debated topic, but um, it, sure. it is possible, and and so I'm sure there's a way we can use these. But the the point is that they are meant to be addictive. Um, I same with going to a, the slots or the casino. Like spinning a slot machine is meant to be addictive to keep you there. But there are ways that you can go and have fun and not get addicted. You can walk in with you know get your twenty dollar bill and that's all you're going to spend, and once it's gone, it's gone, and that's that. So there are going to be probably ways where we can do this with social media, but we're not there at this point. And you have to break the addiction before you can come back and potentially use it it, safely. Um, And that may be never depends how addicted you are. Like there's people who are alcoholics and they break their addiction and they can't ever use it again. Otherwise they just relapse. You have to be willing to, to acknowledge that. So um, at the very least realize that, Nine hours a day consuming anything cannot be healthy for you. Yeah, for and sure. Even one amount is going to be. Yeah, water or milk. You're just going to drown yourself. You can't drink. You can drink <laughs> yeah. milk for eight hours. Yeah, you're going you're to no dry way. drown. Like, yeah, <laughs> so crazy. So what? I guess the last thing I would say, because we are uh, directors of a Bible camp, is if none of these please work, if none of these. Uh, arguments or begs for um, action work. Sure. Maybe our biblical uh, perspective will, and 
maybe God can convince so you. Can you give us? <laughs> will you give us that? Uh, yeah. So there's, sure. I mean, there's a t- there's a bunch of verses. Uh, I looked up a few just to give us a couple a couple uh, spots to start from. Proverbs twenty five says, "A man without self control is like a broken city, uh, a city broken into and left without walls." Second Timothy, for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love uh, and self control. Uh, Corinthians six, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Mm. Um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with a temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So can I just interrupt here? Mm-hmm. These, these, those two verses for me were really foundational for me as a young man. Um, so when, as a young person and wrestling with depression and anxiety, uh-huh. especially depression, it ran in my family. Um, uh-huh. uh, when I would get depressed, I wanted to drink. Right. I didn't like the taste of beer <laughs> and, and we didn't have any alcohol in the home. Right. So I, I don't know where that desire came from, but to me, that was the way I was going to cope with it was to drink. Uh, I had a lot of friends at school or, or pseudo friends at school, acquaintances uh-huh. who were partying quite a bit. Um, and some of them thought it was funny, you know, when their friends were drunk, they thought that was hilarious and others thought it was just, uh, uh, you know, it's just what you did. So I made a decision based on these verses that I was the one to be in control and I had a spirit of power and that God was in my life. And so I, I chose not to drink because if that was my tendency, it was, there was a lie or there was a predisposition within me towards that until I had control of that, I wasn't going to drink. And so those were those were kind of significant voices for me. We're going back thirty years, uh, actually more than that. But um, and in that in that conversation for me, and, and to me that we didn't have this issue. We didn't have phones. We didn't have cell phones. Right. Phones were still attached to a wall somewhere. <laughs> uh, but uh, those verses were really powerful for me when that temptation for addiction came up. Sorry, keep going. No, that was that was the ones I wanted to read. So, oh, okay. um, lots of good verses about addiction, and then encouraging ones on how to get through it. Uh, we can link those, send them to you, whatever you need. But um, I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, I don't know, that's a bad way to word it. I was spend too much time the Bible, but yeah. like the, okay. it's pretty clear that the Bible says addiction is bad. Do not be. Um, controlled by anything do not be dominated by anything do not be addicted and we should not be addicted to anything yeah okay so we can talk about uh that further i guess if need be but i think like we know some of you are going to see this in your families the same thing i wanted to mention a book called tech wise family it's by andy crouch um and then his daughter is releasing a book uh probably by January, February. She's 19 and at university and it's called growing up tech wise. And the idea is just like being aware and being wise with your technology that, that you're the master and not it. And uh, some of the rules. So there's 10, 10 rules tech wise family has, uh, you can Google that and it's a great little PDF. Uh, another one I'm reading is faith called faith for exiles. And it's, um, uh, David Kinnaman and Matt M- Matlock from uh, Barna Group, and they do Christian research and data studies. 
And if you have questions on a lot of this stuff, there's a ton of really great stuff uh, on their website, on barna.com. And uh, really interesting, like how to have um, a resilient faith in this digital Babylon. And so how do you function like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when you've been born in Babylon and this is what you know? How do you hold on to uh, how do you hold on to the truth that's in the Bible when everything around you is uh, more fantastic than anything you've ever known? Um, so yeah, some really good books out there on that stuff. Anything else you want to add? Um, well, I would like to just say this is one reason we're not using Instagram. Oh yeah, that's why we're using Discord. We're trying to create a community hub where we can actually have conversations. Yeah, so and our, use our voices together. Our goal will be to email mostly from and now on, email. and then ideally, this Discord, the Discord channel, will be um, a potential, I don't know, central hub for uh, easier sure. connection and easier like posting and stuff like that. That's not hopefully like as addictive or addictive at all. Yeah. We don't want to be part of that kind of like a whiteboard for us where we can post stuff and people can respond and if, we can use um, our voices we want to zoom with you and chat with you mm-hmm. we love conversation if you're not willing to delete your social media it's because you're addicted if you think you're not addicted you, you're probably addicted um i would i almost bet every single one of us under the age of 30 is addicted in some way to something on our phone because that is how they are built. That is how it's supposed to be. So don't think that this doesn't apply to you. Don't think this isn't for you. Don't think this isn't um, that you're, you've beaten this or you figured it out. I don't care if you put down your phone once a week, every Sunday for the whole day. Um, when you're on it for the other eight hours a day, the rest of the week, that's making up for it. So um, <laughs> it's that we're all addicted in, in some way or another, maybe not nine hours a day addicted, but um, it's an issue for I guarantee all of us and you got to do something about it. Got to at least try. So. Hmm. Wow. Intense conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we went kind of deep on that and, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure please respond to us and, uh, and leave us your comments in the discord. Uh, give us some feedback, uh, direct message us. If you have questions or concerns, we'll, we'll, sh- throw some links up in there and uh yeah on a cultural point i think that was pretty cultural on point for today i think so we didn't really have any questions one of them uh we're looking forward to some questions for a question period and we will uh i think that's about a wrap thanks for coming thanks we'll chat see you soon bye-bye Sure, you may be verified on Twitter, but are you verified in the eyes of God?